Hello and welcome to episode 28 of the Rollo and Slappy Show. Today is February 27th, 2017. I am Rollo McFlugel and with me is Slappy Jones 2 and we are both at McFlugel.com. Show notes page for this episode is McFlugel.com slash 28 where you will find links to subscribe to us and uh, Facebook and Twitter. So with that, I'll hand it right over to Slappy so he can introduce our episode topic tonight. Thank you, Rao, and thank you everyone for joining us this evening. Today, we are going to talk about an issue that comes up from time to time. Uh, we talk about these ideas for a stateless society, and people will say, well, how does that come about? How do we do it? Right? Like These sound great. I love these ideas, um, but we have a giant state against us. How do we get there? Um, do we have a, do we have a revolution? Do we go get violent? Do we take out people who disagree with us, uh, get the pitchforks and torches and, and run on city hall? Do we vote really hard, um, get guys we want in there and they'll make the changes to the laws? Uh, what are your thoughts, Rallo? What is the way to get to a stateless society? Well, to answer a few of the things you just said, uh, one, I don't think we'll get there by voting. I don't think voting has ever really solved the problem. If someone can find where that's wrong, please show well, it to me. Yeah, so it's a trailing it's a trailing indicator of what people actually think. So yeah, it'll it'll I don't know, maybe once in a while it'll produce some not even produce but show some good things, but well, it's you, already it's, been decided usually by people. Right, when you say it's a trailing indicator, um like wh- what do you mean by that? Well, take gay marriage, for instance. You know, there's a whole big deal about whether it's going to be the government's going to make it legal or not. And I guess the piece of, I guess some people wanted the piece of paper, but in reality, what matters is how that contract is, uh, is viewed by everyone else. So for instance, I don't think there are many hospitals that would deny uh, someone's gay partner from being able to visit them while they're in the hospital because you don't have that piece of paper unless there was an actual legal aspect to it. Uh, but also, a lot of companies with uh, health insurance that you could have your gay partner on your plan as your spouse, you know, well before the, the government decided to say that, hey, mm-hmm. gay marriage is legal and you get all those benefits associated with marriage. So by the time it happened that they changed that law and everyone was clapping and everything, it was just really a nominal advancement in in their cause where everything that mattered was basically already taken care of it wasn't like businesses and and the markets had to be like whoa we got to slam the brakes and change everything that we're doing yeah another thing i think about government and i know we don't have a straight democracy you don't have to write that in the comments we have a republic not a democracy whatever i get it but the general idea is still there you need 50 percent, 51 percent in office to get something passed so by definition, it has to be a trailing indicator. More than half the people have to vote it to get it there. Right. So, you know, they're not going to take the reins on something like, you know, some abolitionist in government in, in 1700 wasn't going to be able to overturn slavery. He had to get enough people behind it to change it. So, yeah, I, I, I agree with you. And then it's always slow after that anyway. It's not mm-hmm. like the first thing they do, they come in and change it. Sure. So, and what then- about... A quick, yeah. a quick note about violent revolutions. You know, there's first of all, from a practical standpoint, 
there's a lot of collateral damage with uh, any sort of war like that. So, you know, if I'm going to half the time I'm, I'm screaming about the government bombing other countries and killing and destroying innocent people and, and villages, it, it would be very hypocritical of me to turn around and say, well, as long as it's a libertarian revolution, I'll put up with that kind of stuff. No, nah, that would be ridiculous. And also, I mean, what are you fighting for in a violent revolution? Are you fighting for freedom or are you fighting for power? I would say it's more for the latter. You look at the American Revolution and not that it was bad to get away from being under Britain's thumb, but look at where we are now yeah, <laughs> compared to where we, we started out as. So, I, I think purges are a little ridiculous. Um, never works. The Soviet Union tried to do it. Uh, Hitler tried to do it. Not only is it insanely immoral, not even close to ethical. Right. Uh, it's just, it's not even practical and it wouldn't work and it, it's a waste of life and time. Absolutely. So we don't want to be, it seems like we're skirting the answer of how we think it's going to be happening by just saying all the ways it won't. But so how I think it's going to happen is I don't think that the vast majority of people are even going to realize it's happening. So what do I mean by that? I mean that the market's going to produce outcomes that are better than the state because I do believe firmly that the market always outstrips the state. And so the market's going to be coming up with these solutions to problems and the state might try to you know, fight them and maybe tax it or, or find ways to regulate it or, or ban it. But the market's going to keep finding ways because people want to make money and... <laughs> So it's, yeah. they're going to find ways to get around it. I mean, there's we already see it happening, and people don't even realize it's happening. Things like Bitcoin and Uber and Airbnb, uh, any sort of, uh, you know, the sharing economy and, and anything where the market, the industry doesn't ask permission from the state, that's anarchism in action. And the great thing about it is that basically everyone participates in it, and no one realizes what's, what the power of, of what's going on is. Yeah, it's it's in there. I, I was talking to Rollo earlier today and just asked the question, why do people want government? And, and, you know, you think about it. Well, if you're a libertarian and you're talking these ideas to people, we hear it all the time. Yeah, this sounds great in theory. Theoretically, this is great. In theory, this works perfectly. But that'll never happen or we're not close to that or – or uh, I think you're being a little naive or trusting the market too much. And what are, what are they saying is we need government to provide the things that the market cannot. So one way to get rid of government, to convince people that they no longer need government is to show how the market has better solutions. Uh, and people won't realize it. Uh, if you talk to your grandparents or maybe maybe even your parents, but going back, people had this really – strong emotional connection with the USPS. Um, if, if you're older than I am, you may have watched Cheers. And the joke is, it's kind of funny, but Cliff, Cliff Clavin worked for the post office and, you know, he loves his job at the post office and has this deep connection to the post office. And it's funny because it was kind of true. Uh, but today, people don't really have any... If the, if the US Postal Service went away tomorrow, I don't think anyone would know about it. We have e email, text messages, cell phones... Uh, UPS, FedEx, whatever other company, Amazon, they're doing drones to deliver packages now. It's pretty impressive. And these are all things that, you know, no one sat around and thought, 
is there a way we could do this other than the post? We need to get rid of this post office. How can we do it? And what could happen? It just happened. People just went out and did it. And now we no longer rely on USPS. I really don't think we get much important stuff in the mail unless it's your taxes or some ads. Uh, nothing comes through the USPS. Uh, it's funny, too, because I've, I've seen some commercials kind of recently for the post office. And it's saying the gist of the commercial is it still is great to get letters in the mail. It's like, what? If I get email, I mean, I mean, yeah, it's kind of nice to get a letter in the mail. If I got, if I got an actual letter in the mail that someone like wrote out a letter to me, I'd be like, oh, that's pretty neat. But you know what? That doesn't really happen. Well, and is the cost worth it? Right. So you can, you know, we email and, and, and do this, all this other stuff, but it just shows how slow they are to react is that they're, all right, you're losing your business because it's not, you're not being used any people don't, the technology's gone elsewhere. There's not much of a use for you anymore, but then they just double down and they make the stamps more expensive. And mm -hmm. it just shows that they're incapable of reacting to changes in the market, which is great for us. To be honest with you, even now, if I get a, a personal email, you get so many ads in email. If someone writes an email out, it kind of makes you feel good. Oh, yeah. Every once in a while, we get we get an email to the McFlugal account, and it's something that's not just like, oh, you've, I don't know, for whatever email chain list that I'm on, you know, I'm used to them. But to get an actual email from someone, it's like, whoa, this is awesome. This is great. Yeah, it's cool. It's kind of like back in the day when you get a letter in the mail. So. Exactly. And there's countless other examples of this, um, and certainly Uber being one where it was illegal everywhere. It was illegal in the city of Philadelphia. Um, so it's true that the government will try to fight the changes. But we had the Pope visit last year, and there was this huge increased demand. They knew the taxis they had couldn't handle the demand. So they gave Uber 60 days to operate legally in Philly. And uh, when the 60 days were up, they had no choice but to keep it legal. And even before, when it was illegal, it was used all the time. Yeah, so I, was, I was about to jump in and say, and just make sure people understand that it, just because it was illegal didn't mean it, it mattered. <laughs> yeah, there's actually been like no change in the usage. It's not like usage went up through the roof. It's just they realized like, Hey, we either allow these people to go, or uh, we're gonna we're gonna have to do something because we can't impound all their cars. Right. That's just a, a and political if they, death sentence. If they too want, many people use it. If they wanted the violent revolution, then go out and actually. Yeah, that's how you get effectively it. ban Uber or something like that. And Airbnb is another one. Yeah, it's a you know another good example, and it's yeah it's people they didn't ask for permission, and they're taking away. From you know now they now you can't now that no one has to buy the uh, the taxi token, the government loses money there. It loses yeah. money from the from the taxes. It's it's more difficult to tax Uber than it is a taxi. I I would assume. I mean, I guess the con, you know you got to submit your taxes as an Uber driver, but uh, I would yeah. I have a feeling that you can kind of not uh, what's it, declare some of that. I don't know. False. You, have, you must declare it all. Oh uh, really? Um, not, it's not under the table enough. Uh, well, it depends on how much you drive. Okay. Um, I mean, they do give tips sometimes, so, you know, that's cash, but everything else is cash. They, the, the point of Uber is supposed to be cashless. Um, right. it's supposed to all uh, be done. So, yeah. 
you know, drivers aren't carrying cash on them. So they got to uh, integrate Bitcoin into it. Exactly. So then, exactly. because the, half the government doesn't see that as money, which is another thing. Not to not to jump away and and skirt yeah, skirt well, the fact that I was just dead wrong about something, but uh. no, hold on, <laughs> real real quick though, before we jump on to Bitcoin, just one more thing about Uber is if we were sitting around in 2011 and said I have an idea for a way we could like there's people all over the place with cars and there's people all over the place who need rides, why don't we have random strangers pick up random strangers and take them where they want to go? Almost no <laughs> one would jump on board at that, right? And even when it first rolled out there were some people who were a little unsure about it like eh, i don't know if i want to do that and then of course there's probably you can probably go online and search that an uber driver attacked someone or a passenger attacked an uber driver i'm almost 100 percent sure that's happened probably more than once and so that might blow up in the news or something but people get a little uneasy about it but now um almost everyone i know uses it and likes it oh yeah well it's like it's turned into the scotch tape kleenex thing as people say oh, i'm going to Oh, just Uber, Uber home. Exactly. So anyway, since I cut you off on you switching gears, um, let's go back to cryptocurrency and Bitcoin. Sure. So there's another thing. They didn't ask the permission from the government. If if they went and – can you imagine starting Bitcoin out? They, they went, hey, let's go to – I don't even know who they uh, – FinCEN or whatever government organization, the SEC, I don't know. Said, hey, uh, we're um, going to create this currency that's digital, and uh, you can't control it because it's it's decentralized. Uh, do you think that's that's cool? Would you let us do it? What do you think that they the government would come back and say? They'd say yeah. absolutely not. And actually, for you even suggesting it, they're probably going to throw you in prison for it. Exactly. But look at it now, and it's and it's offered people a huge opportunity. And you know when when Bitcoin, whenever Bitcoin has that big uh, that big spike up, it's usually because some country around the world decides to do something weird with their money, like what India is doing now, and I think China, you know, people in China are figuring out. And before Venezuela. that, it was yeah, Venezuela. And before that, uh, what was the um, in Cyprus, the Cyprian banks or the government said uh the supreme government said hey uh we're having these austerity measures and we need money so we're just going to go into every person's bank account and take 10 percent, which is a lot but it's actually less than uh less than we've lost in holding u.s dollars due to inflation since that's happened but mm-hmm. that's another that's another story and everyone said whoa i don't want that happening what's this bitcoin thing oh let me put my money there so they just basically took money away from the government right there and and it's difficult for them them to track it. It's a great way to to just work outside the state. And people that are using it, there's a lot of tech people out there, and a lot of people. Oh, this is pretty cool. I like this. I like this technology. And they have no idea that that's anarchy in action. It's true. And so, really, the way to get to statelessness is just for entrepreneurs to do what they want to do. Um, when they have good ideas, they stick and people don't even realize what they're doing. Most people who use Uber have never thought of it on the level Rollo and I do, um, about how amazing it is that random people are coming together and helping each other, uh, for a fairly inexpensive ride, especially if you consider the competition with taxis. Uh, nobody thinks of it that way, but now nobody really thinks we have a need for taxis or very few people anyway. Yet before that, they, 
if, if you told them random strangers would be picking them up, there's no way they'd be on board. But you have the two-way rating system, which works great on things like eBay and pretty much any other service you use online. Um, it's a way to regulate the system without having government involved. And we've talked about Ross Ulbricht. Uh, do you know anything about the Silk Road and how they regulate it themselves? Are you familiar with any of that, Rollo? Yeah, well, we talked about it here. Yeah, so, I mean, they had a doctor working for them. Yep. Uh, they had ratings. People would get bad stuff. They would tell everyone about it. Don't buy from this guy. Um, yeah, they, they had a very, considering the the overdose rate you would you have in the regular drug trade, they're, it was very, very low compared to, which is that, not that you yeah. want anyone to overdose or, or have issues or die, but it was incredible that they, it was a huge, they did a great job in terms of harm reduction. And you just imagine if that was able, and that was on the, on the dark web. Um, can you, if you, if you could imagine what, if that was able to surface more on the mainstream, how much better it could be. Yeah. And really before we're criticized as like, you know, yeah, but drugs are bad. Yeah, we get it. Um, the point in that example is to show how something that is really outside of the government was able to control itself and regulate itself. And had he not gotten caught, would still be, and there's probably several of them on the dark web still oh, going. Yeah. Um, but the idea that because government's not involved, everyone would just be killing each other is just not true. Uh, and even without everyone thinking, oh, we have to abide by the non-aggression principle or, you know, whatever, these websites found ways to regulate themselves because they want to sell their product, they want to do business, and they don't do business by selling bad stuff. Right. Sure. And so, you know, the government and the state would, would basically, basically has to adjust to these things. Maybe not uh, the Silk Road yet because the... Most people aren't ready for something like that. Yeah, most yeah. people wouldn't want it. But I, and I totally understand that. But but, uh, but Airbnb, Bitcoin, and Uber, things like that. That's, hey, let's let's that's, mention slavery real quick. Sure. Are so, you going to suggest that we need that slave bringing back slavery is going to get us to anarchy? Well, no, because of government, we don't have slavery. Um, no, of course, I'm kidding. Um, but, but Abraham Lincoln made it illegal. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, no, but back in the day, back in, let's pick a year before slavery was pretty much outlawed everywhere on the world. Um, let's say in the year 1200, where slavery is pretty common all around the world and always has been. If, if, if Rollo and I were sitting around and we thought, you know, slavery is really not good. Uh, people are free. People are own themselves. And, and we have no right, no ability to own someone else. This is wrong. We have to stop this. And... You know, what if we're sitting around talking, we say one day technology will just replace them anyway. Uh, people at the time would probably say we're nuts or we're crazy or these sound good in theory, but we could never we could never live without slavery. How would we pick cotton? Do you have any answers to that? What happened? Well, along came the cotton gin and other technology. And suddenly, you know, a fewer number of people could do more work than a bunch of people just using their hands or, or, or more primitive tools. And then, you know, why do, why do companies give people raises or offer people more money? It's because there's an incentive to work hard and be more productive if you get paid. So there's kind of a limit 
on how much someone's going to work if you're just whipping them or holding them as slaves. I mean, they're not going to really go... Most people, if you hold them as a slave to do work, they're not going to go above and beyond and work harder and try to figure out new ways to improve it because they probably hate you. So if you have you know, someone that you're rewarding and you offer them a greater reward if they get more productive or find ways to be more productive, then yeah, you're going to get innovation and technological advancement. So yeah, Lincoln might have officially made slavery illegal with the Emancipation Proclamation, but it was on its way out for for various reasons, and the biggest reason being, well, one, uh, the rest of Europe wasn't going to trade with the South if they if they had slaves because Europe was already, uh, you know, pretty much against slavery. But on top of that, even if they didn't, innovation and technology would have put slavery out of business because the farms that employed the technology and the innovation would have outstripped and you know, put the, the plantations and farms that use slavery out of business. Right. So, uh, I think we got our point across, uh, if you disagree with that or, or you want to challenge us or you don't believe that will happen now for the record, Rallo and I do not think this is going to happen in, uh, the next four years under Donald Trump. It's, yeah, it's going to be that- the, in five years. Definitely. Five, at least, maybe yeah. five and a half. At um, most. Right. I'm going to hold my breath. Yeah, it's going to take time. And we're going to need more technological advancements. Uh, self-driving cars are going to come around. And, and what are some of the externalities of that? And, and I'm getting this from TK Coleman. I'll give him credit for giving me these ideas. But almost everyone believes that self-driving cars will exist and might be pretty popular within the next five, ten years. So people maybe we'll stop owning cars and just Uber uh, or whoever, whatever company it is, we'll say Uber, Uber or self-driving car to take them where they have to go. Well, what's that? What are some of the externalities of that? They're probably not going to be speeding. They're going to be stopping at red lights and stop signs. So one, uh, the, the local police, they're going to lose a lot of revenue. They're going to lose a lot of what we think when I say we, not Ronald and I, but, but society in general, what people think we need police for. Uh, to, you know, everyone would be driving like an idiot without the cops, without speed limits. Well, if we have self-driving cars, we no longer need them. Um, we can look at the FBI statistics on how many crimes they solve. It's not very high. Also, Other- would you, not to jump in, but would you even need, if every car was self-driving, would you even need speed limits? Because all the cars are theoretically well, I, be interacting with if, each other. Yeah, that's if every car was self-driving. Right. Um, I don't know if that... Well, I think, I mean, it may happen someday. I don't know. It probably will happen someday. But I think people do enjoy driving. I don't think mm-hmm. they'll, they'll go away easily. Right. Maybe they will. Maybe it'll just be so great to have a self-driving car that people will no longer want to drive. But there's a lot of a lot of gearheads out there. And I mean, I enjoy driving. So, so do I. I. I don't really want to give up driving. I, 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 I find it fun. But who knows? Maybe, maybe that time will come and go and I'll be in a self-driving car someday. I don't know. Well, as soon as you can sleep on your way to work. Yeah, that might do <laughs> then it. Then that, yeah. <laughs> um, but anyway, it's just another example of a technology that's coming down the road. They're already working on, they're already testing it. That could be here sooner than we think. That will have a big effect on lessening the power of the state. And as more and more of these technologies come around, um, I, I, th- I just don't, I think it's going to go away and people aren't even going to know it. Yeah, because there's just not going to be a need for it. 
And, and if of course, you try they're to take, not going to go away easy. We know right. that. But if you try to take away something that people like, then that's where the problem is going to be. And, you know, government, it and, you know, this is kind of a weird thing for us to say, but the government does rule by the consent of the governed because most people do accept the state is legitimate and they accept that the functions of the state are legitimate and should, should happen. But as soon as you offer alternatives and people don't see the state as needing to get involved anymore, then you don't have their consent anymore. And the government would at least theoretically have to back off. And if they got violent over it and started throwing, could you imagine if, if they started, you know, if they decided up oh, gay marriage is illegal again, we're going to start throwing gay people in jail. Could you imagine what would happen? Yeah, just think of something like Netflix. We don't want you watching these, and the government starts banning certain movies. I mean, that would never happen. Right. That can't happen. People would not go for it because people believe the market can handle it, and they can choose what they want to watch, and that's what we have to get to. We have to get let people see that the market can handle these problems we traditionally think government needs to um, needs to handle. So it sounds like what we're saying is that uh, agorism is the way to go. Hey, Although it's kind of funny, there's some people who call themselves libertarians who mock agorism. I don't, I don't know why, but yeah, well, they know um, who they are. You no, know. not everyone's perfect, I guess. <laughs> not everyone's libertarian, even if they say they are. Yeah, we've learned that in the past <laughs> few months. As I said, I wrote on Twitter yeah. today. Speaking of that, I said, you know, when Trump got elected, I thought I was going to be fighting a lot with the conservatives. Well, it turns out I've been fighting a lot with libertarians. Yeah, if your libertarian idea is to increase the police state and build a wall, you're probably not libertarian. Yeah, you need but to re-examine anyway, that. We don't need to go off on a tangent. I think we made our point. Uh, we welcome any comments in the comments section. And uh, with that, do you have any free market examples for this week? I do, and I was thinking about the, I, I was thinking about this, and wasn't even intending to use this as a free market story. The thought just popped in my head. So we do this podcast every Monday night. We, we try to get started at 8 o'clock, and normally this is one of my gym nights, so I, I get home from work, uh, don't have much time to, to do anything. I gotta, then I drive to the gym, come back, and then yeah, I'm eating dinner quickly, and then uh, we start the podcast. So I don't have much time to cook on Monday nights. But I have a refrigerator and a freezer, so what I can do is, well, tonight I you know, had leftovers from last night, but a lot of times I... I cook in advance and freeze it and then i got an oven and a stove and i i can reheat it fairly quickly uh, i actually don't own a microwave and that's for for reasons we don't have to get into now um but it's just this huge convenience that we have these appliances that we take for granted that i can pre-cook stuff and store it in there for for long periods of time and just you know, bang, it's, it's ready to go to eat. And, and, uh, what a huge, awesome convenience. Can you imagine not having a refrigerator and freezer? What that would do to you? You have to keep everything fresh. You got to have ice on hand all the time. There's there's really no long-term storage at that point, unless you smoke, smoke stuff. Yeah. What's even more impressive about that is just about everyone in the United States has one. Right. And no matter how poor you are, almost everyone has a refrigerator. Yeah. Um, and if you think of that idea back in the 1930s or 40s, it just sounds crazy. Yep. And so while we're into it, I'll, I'll say why, because it sounded kind of weird, the reason I don't have a microwave, which it might be weird. 
but I do it because it's, it's what, it's something that, um, I want to not have a modern convenience just to remind myself of the benefits of it. And, but actually what it turns out is I don't want one anymore now anyway, because using the stove and the oven, it makes things better and you find other ways to defrost and, and warm things up that, um, you know, it's microwaves obviously very convenient. We have them at work, so I use them for reheating lunch, but. All right. If anyone is considering not listening to us anymore because of that comment, just be sure. Be aware that I do have a micro- microwave and I, I like it and use it. <laughs> Not saying they're bad. I'm just <laughs> saying that you don't actually need one. Yeah, well, I mean, if you look at all human history, we don't need just about everything we use today. Right. You could say that you don't need a refrigerator, but then yeah. I'd say, oh, what are you talking about? It's so great. So yeah, if you want yeah. a microwave, get a microwave. Yeah. So anyway, check out the show notes page. Also, I want to link... Uh, Rallo, if you, if I don't know if we can do this or how, I'm sure there's a way. But the Steve Patterson episode with TK Coleman is very good, and I think everyone should listen to it. Yeah, we can link that. Um, no problem. I got, I, a lot of the stuff I said came from him in that episode, so I think it's really good, and everyone should listen. Yeah, that'll be on the show notes page, mcflugel.com slash 28. So as Slappy said, please subscribe to the podcast. Subscribe to the website by giving us your email address. And... Uh, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, and most importantly, tell your friends about us. Yeah, like we say, we try to target people who are just learning this stuff or want to challenge their, or you want to challenge their beliefs. Send them a link, tell them to contact us. We'd like to have the discussion. With that, we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening. Peace.